Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome and thank you for coming, even though you knew that I was speaking. That means a lot. <laughs> I thought I have to bring some kids' toys because it's Mother's Day, and I have to wear some floral pants because it's Mother's Day. Actually, I wanted for Mother's Day, I wanted to be taken to Mexico, but that's not possible. So these are as close to Mexico as I could get in my closet. So I'm happy to, to be here. Um, every mom deserves awards. Many, many, many awards. Right? Right? Um, and many a moms fail to get some rewards. But every mom deserves many, many awards that goes, of all the things that goes unnoticed. So this morning we're going to have a little, quick little mom's awards ceremony. Uh, or, yes, let's call it that. Um, and before we come and ha give something to all the moms, I have um, a few moms that I just want to highlight this morning. The first one is my own mom, who is here with us. She gets the award for a mom having three babies under the age of 18 months by choice. That deserves an award and just because she's my mom. There's a little something for you, mama. And then on this side, I have a special award for mom Jeannie, which is a mom for so many of us for many reasons, but also mom Jeannie, uh, for those of you who don't know, she adopted many, many years ago. So she's the only mom actually I know personally who've gone through the journey of adoption, and I admire that about you, Jeannie. Um, so you get the Adoption Mama Award. Um, I have another award for another amazing mom in our midst, and that is Jenilyn of Fala. She's hiding, but this mom... Okay, I am going to cry today, just so everybody knows. <laughs> She has not seen her daughter for three and a half years because she's chosen to make a better future for her daughter. So this is the year we're believing that they will be come together. But for a mom to make sacrifices like that, that's not for her. It's for her daughter and for her daughter's future. So you get the sacrifice award, Jen. <laughs> then Melissa Schulte... <laughs> She gets the award because she's over 40 and she still runs faster than her 16-year-old. <laughs> I'll go with that. Um, and then Roseanne, where are you? Roseanne gets a mom award because her daughter is not here today to give it to her. So it comes from me today. And Venus, where is Venus? Are you here? Venus is there. Venus, you get the extra super mom award. You know why. Okay. Um, and then I want to ask all the moms to stand up, or potential moms or grandmoms, all of you to stand up, and I want all the kids to quickly come to the front. This is the only time we're allowed to run in church, children. Run, run. Actually... Come quickly on the stage. Come quickly on the stage. You can just stand on the stage and face all the mamas who are standing. And we're going to extend our hands 
over them and pray a prayer over them. So everybody extend your hands over all the moms. We're going to pray a blessing over all you. Father God, this morning we come and we lift up all these moms, the grandmothers, the single moms, the happy moms, the struggling moms. Father, you see all of us and you care so deeply about all of us. Father, we pray that all these moms will just be refilled today with your love for them, that they would know that they've been called for amazing things. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, please stay standing until you have received a little gift from Life Kids. If you've received your little gift, you may sit. Otherwise, please keep standing. So you guys go find a mom. It can be your own or any mom. And then go get some more gifts to give to the others. Oh, thanks, Tony. one's for you, Stacey. <laughs> They're all running for their own moms. Go quickly and go get some more so we can get one for all the moms. Still have a couple of moms standing, especially on this side. All of those older children, come on this side and give some awards over here. Run, 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 Nene. Run, Olivia. Right there, right there. Annika. Annika. There we go. Ah. Okay, there's still one or two moms there. Oh, you're awesome, Ryder. Okay, looks like all the moms are seated. Okay, children, you guys can now run and go with Mr. Richard to Life Kids. So I've said it before, there's many awards we all get to get, and all of you deserve some. And the thing that, as I've been preparing this week, the thing that, oh. Do you have some more to hand out, Nadia? No? You got them all? Take them home for Mama. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be strong. I, I am thankful for waterproof mascara. God was good when he brought that in invention. Um, so many awards that uh, we as moms strive for unknowingly and, and unintentionally just because society has created awards and value to things that we as, as moms tend to kind of value as well. And so, uh, many of them actually have no true value. But when we're in the season of motherhood, we think they add a lot of value and they, they do have a lot of value. For example... The, the birth story mom, right? Like how natural were you able to give birth? It's something that, that we value, that society values. And you'll hear moms talk, oh yeah, I really wanted a natural birth, but I had to have an epidural or this, this, this. And somehow we think there's more value in the way you gave birth. I had one 
almost emergency C-section, ended up in emergency vacuum delivery, and I had two home births. And I can tell you there's no different in the purpose of my children and their calling on this planet on the way they were born. It's not important. And if you carried a baby for nine months and you got the baby out, any way you got the baby out, you deserve an award, right? That's just the award right there. Get the child out of your body award, <laughs> whatever that looks like. And then the other award that we kind of tend to kind of see is the mom who does only homemade, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free cookies, and their kids eat it and like it. Like, if there's a mom like that, I bake it. Well, I've tried, but they don't eat it, so I've just given up, and I'm not going to try anymore. I just do Rice Krispie Squares, the jumbo box that's free or cheap at Costco. Yeah, whatever. Whatever's in there, it's got to work. But anyway, the only value that there really is and the only award that we as moms really need to pursue in this life is to be a godly mother. It's to be a godly mom. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. Um, and it's from that pursuit, that choice to pursue this award. Like one day, I want my kids to say, my mom was a godly mom. That pursuit is what then determines everything we do in our lives and everything that we value. And it determines our motherhood journey. Pursuing godly motherhood in an ungodly world is and will forever be one of the hardest things we as moms have to do. One of the hardest things, yet one of the most rewarding. Because it will mean that we have to do hard things. It will mean that I, as a mom, have to do things to my children that is not popular by them, their peers, or other moms. It means that my kids will remind me that, mom, but everybody does that. Everybody is allowed to do that. It, I'm sorry, but being a godly mom in an ungodly world means that all the ungodliness that goes on in the world will not be part of our home, and therefore it will not be popular. So it's not easy. So for all of those moms here that are pursuing this on a regular basis, that feel that resistance, constant resistance, as you're trying to pursue being a godly mom and having a, a, a culture of honor in your home, just know that it is not, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of energy. Keep pursuing. Keep pushing. I've titled the message for today, The Lost Art of Godly Motherhood. Now, lost art. What is a lost art? There's many, there's many things that, are, that, is lost, that is lost arts, that are lost arts. You know what I mean. Um, building cathedrals, Right? They don't build cathedrals anymore. And I've done some research, like, why is that happening? And over and over, the reason is the same, because it's not valued anymore. So people don't learn the skill anymore because it's not valued. And because people are not learning the skill, um, the, the compensation that people should get for acquiring the skill is not there because the value is not there. So it's lost its value and in society, and therefore it's become a lost art. Another lost art, or almost, is handwritten letters. Writing them and receiving them. The only person I receive handwritten letters from is Roseanne. And I love it, although I have to really concentrate to read them. Because we, our minds have been trained to read what's easy. 
We just type letters because you can send them anywhere. It's easy. So we've chosen things that used to carry value that we no longer value and they become a lost art. And unfortunately, godly motherhood is a lost art unless we value it and pursue it because culture and society doesn't value it anymore. And that is what determines what is valued in this world. So let's look at this. This is motherhood, okay? Here comes the, my years of experience in kids' church. This is motherhood. So what society tells us is, mom, if you want to be powerful and feel fulfilled as a human being, you have to, um, you have to be the breadwinner. You've got to make more money than your husband. You're going you're gonna to be powerful because if he leaves you, you need to be self-sustainable and you've got to build your life. You've got to build your business and build your career that's that's what's going to make you powerful and you're going to feel fulfilled when you do that it tells us that if you want to be powerful and feel fulfilled in all areas in your house make sure that you're equal to your husband got to be equal if you want to be powerful because that is how you feel powerful it also tells us that if you want to um, feel powerful and fulfilled, you can't just have a good job. You have to climb the corporate ladder, get more, get more, earn more, earn more, get more status in the world because that is how you're going to be, be feeling powerful and fulfilled. That's what the world is telling us, correct? Now, if we pursue that, our responsibility of motherhood doesn't go away. You still have to be the comforter. You still have to be the nurturer. You still have to cook. You still have to drive the kids places. You still have to pray for them on a daily basis. You still have to make sure that they're, you still have to check their cell phones. You still have to, you still have to do all of that. And then what happens is we're, we try to build this life and then this motherhood still th thing is still there and it's wobbly and it's uncomfortable. And Ultimately, what happens is, unless we place it perfect, well, this is not working so good today. Unless it's per placed perfectly, it falls. I should add that one. I don't know. He told me to. I should have listened to it. Okay, here. <laughs> I listen to my husband because I'm a godly mother. Okay, so. Yeah, see, now it works. So now I've built this life that the world tells me because I have this longing to be powerful and to feel fulfilled. We all have that desire, purpose. What's my purpose? How can I, like, be successful in life? We build this, and then motherhood doesn't go away. Motherhood sits there, and, and motherhood falls because you are a human being, and you only can do so much. Stacy, can you quickly give me that? I need motherhood. <laughs> I need motherhood. So this is the problem. And I wonder how much of the brokenness that we see in the world is because of this. Because mothers keep homes together. Right? Can I see just the moms? Raise your hand if you feel a sense of responsibility to hold your home together. Let me see your hand if you feel that. Mm. It is. We do. And, and science, and there's people who've written about it, and I didn't have time to do all that research. But it is proven that mothers hold homes together. So the mother position and role cannot get neglected because then the home cannot be held and kept together. 
If things are out of position, the world falls apart. If things are out of position, our marriages fall apart. If things are out of position, our children fall apart. Now, I just want to say, this does not mean that in order to be a godly mother, you can't have a job and you can't have a career and you can't pursue goals and, and dreams and visions in your life. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not saying that for the rest of your life, if you want to be a godly mom, you have to be a stay-at-home mom and you're not allowed to pursue anything. Just be available for your children 24-7 and die to everything else that you desire in your heart. That's not what I'm saying. That's not godly motherhood. It could be that if that's what God is calling you to do for a season. But it doesn't mean that it always is that. But what it does mean is godly motherhood first foundation. My purpose as a mom needs to be my number one priority. I pursue God as a mom in everything I do. Everything I do for my children. What he needs me to do. What he needs me not to do. Where my kids should go. All of those decisions get done in my connection with God. Godly motherhood. And then off of that... In my relationship with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he leads me and he says, I have this opportunity for you. I want you to pursue this thing. And I pursue that. And then I you want you to be the, in the pack at the school. Okay, take on that responsibility. And I'm going to give you this online business that you could do from home. And I'm going to do, and you can build all of these dreams and visions and things. But it can stay stable because motherhood is the foundation and not the thing that gets placed on top of all these other things that I did and built in order to try and find fulfillment and power. The power and the fulfillment is found here in godly motherhood, and everything else gets added onto that. That is where fulfillment is found. I know this might seem harsh, and I, if anybody feels like, okay, well, I don't agree with that, that's okay. I, I'm not expecting everybody to agree with that. But what I want to encourage you to do and invite you to do is to just put yourself one step back, like I am doing, and like I did this week too, and say, Holy Spirit, if there is change I need to bring in order to maybe bring motherhood down to the foundation again and my godly purpose, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Because if we're not teachable and correctable, that's not the right word, by the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean, then we have pride that stands in the way and then we will struggle to have the Holy Spirit lead us in our pursuit to godly motherhood. God's way is better. God's way is always better. And if you're finding yourself in a season of your life where you feel exhausted always as a mom, you feel unfulfilled, you don't see fruit in your children's lives, you don't see fruit in your home, you just feel like everything is crashing, then consider that maybe there is a better way and that might be God's way. Pursuing godly motherhood, but it might mean change and we have to be willing to change. Godly motherhood has almost become a lost art, but not for us when we choose to value and pursue it. Our lives can look different than that of the world. Now, how to be a godly mom? I just want to preface that by saying I am not perfect. I will never be. And godly motherhood does not mean perfection. Godly motherhood is living in the pursuit 
of godliness while wholeheartedly seeking the Lord. That's what godly motherhood is. It's not a destination. None of us are ever going to get to a place where we can say, oh, I am a perfect godly mother. No, it's a continual decision to pursue that, um, that principle in your life and that foundational peace in your life. Seeking Him daily, everything related to your children, where they should go, what school they should go to, what food should I give them, how much screen time should I give them, everything. And then everything for me in my role. God, how should I parent this situation? God, who can I bring alongside me? Where are mentors and moms that I can bring around me to help me with this thing called parenting? That's where we pursue God in everything when we pursue godly motherhood. The pursuit of godly motherhood is a pursuit to become more and more like Christ in my purpose and position as a mother. And for everybody else here that's not a mother, every time I say mother or mom, you can just replace it with dad or father or uncle or aunt or nanny or auntie or grandparents. Because ultimately the identity of being in our role and position and purpose in life that God has placed you in is a pursuit of godliness. No matter who you are, if you're a man or a woman or a grandparent or whatever that is. So please receive from this message today, even if you're not a mom. I'm thankful for so many godly women in my life. Um, and godly moms that have set an example for me. And people that I can tap, to, uh, tap into all the time. I, I have a few friends that I'll often call and say, okay, I need some advice. need some advice here. I don't know how to handle this thing. My kid did this and this and this and this. How am I going to do this? And it's people that's gone before me whose kids are maybe a little bit older or that are stronger in certain areas in their roles as moms, and therefore I can learn from them. All of these people have one thing in common. It's not their per perfection that I admire, but it's their sacrifice. The sacrifices they make in their role as mom. That's what humbles and inspires me to be more. Abram, Abram Lincoln said this. He said, I think we have it up there. No, maybe. Nobody is poor who has a godly mother. Nobody is poor who has a godly mother. So what that basically means is, you can parent your children until the cows come home. When they get older... They're going to make their own choices, choices that you don't necessarily agree with. They're going to choose their lifestyle. They're going to choose their life partners. They're going to choose their careers. They're going to choose how they're going to spend their money and how they're going to invest their money. And you have no more say at that point because they're going to make their own choices. And those choices that they're making can either make them rich or poor, physically financially, spiritually, relationally, mentally, all of those decisions can make them rich or poor. You have no say in that. But what you do have a say in, and that's what Abraham Lincoln was referring to, is if you are in the pursuit of being a godly mother, praying for your children, speaking the word of God over your children, and pursuing the, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in your life as a godly mother, your children can make all of those decisions, bad or good, will not determine the riches that they have in life by having a godly mother. Because they'll always be able to reflect back on God's blessings in their lives because of a praying mother, a believing mother. 
We all have stories like that and no mothers like that. We can determine the wealth in who their mother is. It's the only wealth for our children that we can determine. A mother that loves no matter what. A mother that accepts them with their weaknesses, yet remind them of their identity in Christ. A mother that speaks the word of God over their lives in good times and in bad times. That child will be rich. So godly moms really stand in the gap for little ones that don't understand yet and that can't speak yet. And then for older children, I believe that godly moms becomes the Jesus conduit for their children. That's how they see Jesus. That's how they can be ministered to by Jesus through the mom. And that's, that's worth just so much more than any successes they can or will ever achieve in their lives. Because the fruit of that is life and life more abundantly. So how do we pursue godly motherhood? We basically just have to do one thing and everything else add, gets added to that. We have to embrace the calling. We have to embrace the calling of godly motherhood. Same for the fathers here. You have to embrace the calling of being a godly father. It's a choice and it's a decision. And we're going to go into the word and look at a great example of this. The mother of Jesus. Luke 1 verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So many powerful nuggets in that passage. But I just want us to look at one thing. And that is the way... Mary responded to the angel, okay? Now, I can't imagine myself in Mary's shoes because it's just so far-fetched. The thing that is crazy about the fact how she responded was we have to remember that for 400 years up until this point, the angel appeared to Elizabeth and then appeared to Mary. But for 400 years... God did not speak to his people directly. Angels showing up and telling them messages and news was not happening for 400 years since Malachi. So this was not a normal thing 
this angel showing up. I'm pretty sure I would have responded very differently. I, I actually just can't even imagine what that would have been, but definitely not like Mary. So Mary listens, and then she responds with, how? How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, take note. This is not a how. That's not possible. It's not possible. This is not possible. You're an angel. You're showing up to me. This is not possible. I am not married. I'm a virgin. This is not possible. How? How is this possible? It's not that kind of a how. It's a how of, okay, just explain to me, how is this going to happen? It was not a question of believing. It was a question of embracing and pursuing. She believed what the angel said. She believed it. She said, how then? Because I am still a virgin. The math didn't make sense. Therefore, she had to ask a question. But it wasn't a how. That's not possible. You can't, I can't be pregnant if I'm not sleeping with my husband and I'm not even married yet. It was not a question of believing, but a question of embracing and pursuing. Then the angel explained to Mary after she said how, and he explained to her how this is going to happen. And she didn't ask any more questions. She just said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. We don't have angels showing up today anymore, turning people from not pregnant into pregnant, right? Thank the Lord. Although I guess in some instances it kind of happens, but not really an angel that warns you. You just find out that you went from not pregnant to pregnant without planning it. But typically what we do is we plan it. You and your husband will decide, okay, we want to have a baby. You, make, you think about it and you make a rational and emotional decision. We're going to do this. Then, so a physical decision, and then we do physical things in order to have physical babies, which we then raise in a physical world to do physical things. Right? That's how our brains work. We make these decisions. We're going to raise these kids, and then we're going to have grandkids and all of that. And we can do all of that without considering God's plans and purposes. Crazy. We can do all of that without considering God's plans and purposes. But what if you were Mary? I want, I want all of you to just think about this. What if you were Mary? What if God came to you before you decided to have a baby? And he said to you, called you on your name. And he said, Lindy. Lori, whatever your name is. He said, I'm going to be creating a baby in your womb. And you're going to have to raise this baby. And I want you to name that baby this name. And I want you to raise this baby for these purposes. This is what I'm seeing that your child is going to do one day. That is the purposes why I'm creating this baby in your womb. This is why. So this is now your responsibility. If that decision of having that baby was God-breathed, God-spoken, how much different will our mothering look? If you think about it, 
how would that affect the decision you make about what job you take on? How many shifts you, t you take on? The hours of your work. Because now you recognize that this is not just a you decision. This is a baby that actually does not even belong to you. That you have a responsibility to raise for those amazing things. That is a responsibility. That is a huge responsibility. Psalm 127 verse 3 says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Genesis 33 verse 5. Esau, Esau was talking to Jacob and he said to him, Who are all these people that you have here with you? And Jacob replied and he said, These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant. Not, that's the, it's me and my wife's children, yeah. No, he understood. They understood what it meant to be entrusted with a child from God, for God, for godly purposes. Psalm 109, verse 13 to 16 is so beautiful. I'm reading out of the message. It says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. That child that you have, the children that you have, they were created supernaturally in your womb. They were created spiritually and physically by God for God. You and I are the caregivers, the nurturers, the comforters, just for a season. For a season, they've been entrusted to us so that we can... Train them up to be all God created them to be. That is our job. And understanding that and making decisions from that place, I believe, is vital in our pursuit to godly motherhood. Vital. We have to embrace the calling of godly motherhood. Young moms, those of you who are here that in, are in that season where all you feel you're good for is a milk machine. We all know that. We've all been there. It is one of the hardest seasons. You can't have adult conversations with people because the baby is screaming or the diaper needs to be changed or this or that. Parents that have toddlers who's like just trying at church to quickly say hi to somebody. And it's like, mom, 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 mom. It is hard. It is a hard, hard season. And if, if you're in that season, I just want to say to you that no sacrifice you're making goes unnoticed. I see you, and most importantly, the one who created that child, who entrusted that child to you for the season, he notices every small sacrifice. 
for those of you who have teens and, and elementary age children who feel like all you are good for is to drive them around, to feed them. It's really your only purpose. And then some days you're like, oh, my kid is off tonight. I'm going to spend some time with them. And when they hop in the car, like, can you please go drop me off at 6? I want to go to Dairy Queen with your friends. And you just feel like you don't even exist. Anybody? Two hands up. It is not easy. What we are doing is not easy. But again, I want you to know that nothing you do goes unnoticed. And nothing you do is not worth it. God sees every sacrifice you make. He sees how you selflessly give of yourself over and over and over for them. You have huge purpose in your season. It doesn't matter which season it is. Huge, huge purpose. Proverbs 14 verse 1 says this. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. You and I as moms were created with the capacity and the ability to build our homes with our words and our actions. The purpose for that is to empower our children to be what God called them to be. It is an incredible gift and a responsibility that I hope all of us never, ever take lightly. If you're in the season of making animal noises all day, Haley, and, and while you're doing that, keep telling that kid you are amazingly made for a huge huge task one day god created you for big things you just keep his purpose in that season if you're driving your kids around in all day long driving around seeing things of the world that does not represent the kingdom of god point them out to them say to them look at that that is sad because that person will never see the fruit of their lives. Not from a place of judgment, from a place of discernment to train your children with love and compassion. We have these opportunities. No matter what season you're in, there's opportunities to speak God's word into their lives. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for another. The worship team can come up. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for another. Jesus, Jesus showed us what godly motherhood looks like. You lay down your life for your children. The world sees it as just a mom. But in his eyes, you as the mom represent the character of Jesus to your children as you sacrifice your life. As you sacrifice what you want to do. As you sacrifice what is better for you, for them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is not physically in our homes and in our cars. He has moms. He has fathers too. But today's Mother's Day. He is moms, and he, through his Holy Spirit, is guiding you as long as you remain open and you make time for him to minister to you so that you can show them what Jesus' love looks like. Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28, it's one of the times when 
Jesus predicted his death, and he said this to his disciples. He said, you know that the, ruler, the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become a slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many there is nothing more important you can do than to demonstrate Jesus to them and that we do by serving them selflessly. It's in that pursuit, one where we lose ourselves for Him, that you will find power and fulfillment. Having that foundation of godly motherhood and building your life off of that, there is no greater place for you to feel powerful and feel fulfilled. Let's be women that are known as godly mothers. Right, church? Lean into God. Make space for God. Mary made space for him. The angel could appear to her because she made room for God to speak to her. Don't get caught up in busy, busy lives and make no room for God. You need him if you want to pursue godly motherhood. Stay in the word and seek him in everything that you do. I've asked Stacy to read a beautiful letter um, to all the moms today. It's titled The Invisible Mother. I'm going to ask her to read that and then I want to invite you to join us again in worship. It's all beginning to make sense. The blank stares, the lack of response. The way one of the kids will walk into the room while, on the, while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. Inside, I'm thinking, can't you see I'm on the phone? Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible, the invisible mom. Some days I'm only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix me this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands. I'm not even a human being. I'm a clock. A clock to ask, what time is it? Why didn't you wake me up? I'm a TV guide to answer, what number is the family channel? I'm a car to order, pick me up, please. Drop me off right around 5.30, please. Some days I'm a crystal ball. Where's my other sock? Where's my phone? What's for dinner? I am certain that these are the hands that once held books and the eyes that studied history, music, architecture, and literature. But now they have disappeared into the peanut butter. Never to be seen again. She's going. She's going. She's gone. One night, a group of us were having dinner, celebrating the return of a friend from England. She had just gotten back from a fabulous trip, and she was going on and on about all the hotels she stayed in and the stunning restaurants she ate at. And I was sitting there, looking around at all the other people, all put together so well. And it was hard not to compare myself and feel sorry. I was feeling pretty pathetic, which was when she turned to me with a beautifully wrapped gift and said, I brought you this. It was a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. 
I wasn't exactly sure why she'd given it to me until I read her description. With admiration for the greatness of what you are building when no one sees. In the days ahead, I would read, no devour the book, and discover what would become of me. Four life-changing truths after which I could pattern my work. Number one, no one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Number two, these builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. Number three, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. And number four, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. In the book, I read a story of a legend told of a rich man who came to visit a cathedral while it was being built. He saw a workman carving, carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam, and he was puzzled, and he asked the man, why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam that will be covered by the roof? No one will ever see it. And the workman replied, because God sees. I'll close the book, feeling the missing pieces fall into place. It was almost as if I heard God whispering to me, I see you. I see the sacrifices you make every day, even when no one around you does. No act of kindness you've done, no sequin you've sewn on, no cupcake you've baked, no pack meeting, no last minute errand is too small for me to notice and smile over. You're building a great cathedral, but you can't see right now what it will become. I keep the right perspective when I see myself as a cathedral builder, as one of the people who show up at, to a job that they will never see finished, to work on something that their name will never be on. The writer of the book went so far as to say that no cathedrals could ever be built in our lifetime because there are so few people willing to make a sacrifice to that degree. When I really think about it, I don't want my son to tell the friends he's bringing home from college for Thanksgiving. My mom gets up at four in the morning and bakes homemade pies, and then she hand bastes the turkey for three hours and presses all the linens for the table. That would mean I've built a monument to myself. I just want him to want to come home. And then if there's anything more to say to his friends, he would say, you're going to love it there. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.